Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Literally, because it's time for our book club episode. Woo! Books! This is our sixth book club episode because I had to remake the calendar. Which means there's a new calendar out with the next six months if you want to go ahead and start reading ahead so you can be ready for our book episodes. That's up on Instagram. For the first half of 2024. I know, and we're going to be doing a deep dive into science fiction. So we're doing kind of a range. Um... Of older and newer sci-fi. By older, I mean like 1930s, and I think the newest one's like 2010, and most of them fall in the 60s. So yeah, I feel like 60s was a good, it's a good like overview of where we came from in science fiction because it feels yeah, it was like definitely a, real... a transition point. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. We're we're even going to read some Russian literature, Solaris. Yep, and then we get to do both. Movies, which I've only seen the older movie. I've never seen the newer one. I've seen like half of the old movie. You've probably seen the whole thing. You probably just don't remember it because it gets a little weird in the middle there. Mm. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, we talked about the unfinished world. No, we haven't. Oh, We've only it read it. We're about <laughs> to talk about it. Oh. <laughs> and other stories by Amber Sparks. So this was a short story compilation. You recommended it. Do you have any idea where you found it? On my Goodreads uh, to be read list. Okay, which now we're doing Storygraph, so get the fuck out with Goodreads. Storygraph, which is doing really well. It's like the top three book app So right yeah. now, which is really exciting. I'm really happy for them. If you haven't switched already... Go ahead and switch. I'm really enjoying using it. I really like their app. It's really simple. It's not cluttered. And it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, I read a couple. I read some percentage of that book today or whatever. So it's mm -hmm. really nice. We had a read-along for this, but since you're the only one who joined it, we never used it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good test. I, I really feel like I, we have to start as we mean to go on. Like eventually someday we're going to have a lot of participants. And so I need to make sure that I'm like set up and I'm. You got the process down. Yeah. But in the meantime, it's like, but why? It's just mad. What am I going to do? Why am I going to. So anyway, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, anyway, this was just short, short story compilation. And from yes, what so I this, can tell. This came the... from my list and I didn't know it was a short story. I, I gather this is what she does. All of her books okay. are short story compilations of her. They're not like she gathered short stories from other people. They are all written by her. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes short stories are like, this is a, a short story collection about a certain topic from the following 17 authors. This yeah. is like... I edited a short story yeah. book and I wrote one of the short stories. 
Correct. But this is all her. Yep. And it was interesting. It's called The Unfinished World. It really did feel like a whole bunch of story seeds, like the beginnings of stories. Yes. Like here's maybe chapter two or here's chapter one. Yeah. Here's the hook. Oh, we're done. Right. And a lot of them I felt like, ooh, it'd be nice to hear more about this world. But no. Nope. But it's cool. I mean, it's cool because it gives you the hook, it gives you the setup, and then it's like, and I'm going to leave you with that. Right. And I'm historically not a short story person. Yeah. The longer and denser the story, the better. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Thousand plus pages, sign me the fuck up. So when you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this one, I picked it up and I, I read the synopsis for it. Oh, boy. It's a short story compilation. Why did I add this one? Um, and so I thought it was, I was expecting it to be a bit of a slog um, or it's not, not fun, but I was pleasantly surprised. I liked it. I've been doing some research on science fiction because I'm kind of setting up my reading for the year because I'm doing a whole read along through science fiction for a year thing. And going through that, I realized that science fiction really at its like when you're looking back at you know 1960s and even earlier science fiction the vast majority of them are short stories because they're getting published in these little pulp magazines and then every once in a while they'd compile them or they would publish them as like chapters so you might get a chapter a week or a month or whatever and then at the end they'd put kind of like kindle vela you know the kindle vela yes yeah Kind of like that. Um, I do love a good short story. I feel like a good short story can be really powerful because you can create this super compact, super impactful, thought-provoking world that you just get this huge broad stroke or this very minute detail of. There's literally no filler. Then you back away. Yeah. And sometimes they're full stories. Sometimes they are just like a thought experiment. All of them, all of that I like. Every once in a while, it is nice to just touch upon a world and then be done and not have to sink in for 900 pages. And that's what we get from this is just a series. And none of them go together. They are of varying length. Some of them are quite short, just two or three pages. Some of them are quite long. I think there's one that's almost 25% of the book. And uh, I really enjoyed... I don't think there was anyone there that I was like, what? I think there's one. There was one that I was like, I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> but uh, okay. You know, it was fine. We're, we're fine with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through them story by story because I kind of created a little list for us. Yeah. Um, so the first one is Janitor in Space, which I started reading this and I was like, oh, thank God it's sci-fi. Cause <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. I, I was like... I, Matt recommended this. I just went off of his recommendation. Shit, I didn't look this up in any way. And I've, we've been committed to it for six months now. So I can't be like, psych, everybody. We're not reading The Unfinished World anymore. Um, so I was like, whew, thank God. And it's really kind of this, the janitor. I don't think we even get a name for her. And she has traveled to space to be either closer to God or farther from Earth. Take your pick. Why not both? And it's just this, I'm a janitor and the clean stuff, and I like to do it at night because I can pretend that I'm the only person in the universe. The end. 
Some of these were more thought-provoking than others. This one was kind of just like, hmm. It made space feel mundane, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we're going to go to space. We're going to have... We're going to have space stations. We're going to have astronauts who are permanently stationed in space, but they still need someone to clean up their shit. Right. <laughs> Wipe down the walls and stuff. Oh, that was pretty cool. The idea of having a janitor in a space station. Like you never meet the janitor on uh, on the Enterprise. Like, who vacuums all of those? <laughs> Everybody cleans up after themselves. Oh, is that what it because is? Because it's... It's space and it's it's, it's the it's utopia, utopia future. future. Yeah. I mean, I think we have janitors in Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive we do. Because it's not utopia, I guess. Right, it's, it's a lot more gritty and realistic. Yeah, it's not like, oh, no, that's... For certain things. It's everything. Dirt doesn't even exist. We, we went ahead and engineered that. This out. is space. This is Where space. would the dirt come from? <laughs> and then the next one was not sci-fi. It's the Lizzie Borden Jazz Babies. And this is the one where it was twins and they dance to jazz music until her parents tell her not to. And then one of them gets a boyfriend and then the other one plots to kill them all. And that's the <laughs> end of the story. <laughs> uh, I will say the the character descriptions were really... So these are all very character-driven stories. And in most of them, we get a lot of insight i guess depth yeah into what kind of people they are and so we you kind of understand their motivations and their perspective on the world yeah i mean you do get some of them are more shallowly developed some of some of them are very deeply developed but it all feels intentional like where they're deep characters they're intended to be and where they're just caricatures they're also intended to be Yes. Yeah, everything feels intentional, including how well, how much you connect with the story and how much you get from it. Because uh, the next one is Cemetery for Lost Faces. And this is not one of the longest in the book, but to me it was one of the most memorable. And it's the one where it's the brother and sister. And at some point their parents are killed or get killed. I think in a car accident. It doesn't. Is this the one where she's a taxidermist? She's a taxidermist yes, and I really he's like a that potter. One. And that one was really good. And does anything really happen? No, except I really like. Um, there's, uh, her brother dies. I mean, her brother dies, but uh, in terms is of is that really something that happens? Does more happen in this than in other stories? Not necessarily. No, but this one is like, and I just really enjoyed some of the imagery, especially like she's trying to do birds in flight, and she's like, I hate doing birds in flight because you can never make the wings look like they did when they were alive. Mm-hmm. So it's like. You can't recapture that motion once you've lost it. And that's frustrating. And that's frustrating for her. And ultimately her brother gets killed and she goes on what we assume is a murder spree because that's where we end. (laughs) Right. And she's like, well, they'll understand. It's fine. We get the like preparing for vengeance montage. Yeah. And then Dunzo. Yep. And then we get the logic of the loaded heart, which is the one where it's a human life, but it's like calculate the the percent of possibility that this one's his mother really short. yeah that his mother would meet his father and that they would get knocked up in the back of the car and whatever and so it's like can you break human life down into a series of logic puzzles or is life inherently illogical it's kind of expounding on how you can't yeah it's the juxtaposition you can't capture the numbers yeah 
on the human situation. Yeah, and that one is really short. You're right. It goes all the way from like life. Right. It's like a page and a half. He's born. He has a really bad day. He has like a wife and then he ends up hiring someone to kill his wife. And it's, but it's told really uniquely in like word problems, like math word problems. Yeah. Which was, that was a really interesting way to tell a story. Yes. That's the nice thing about the short story format. An entire book of that, fucking exhausting. Yeah. A short story told that way, you're like, ooh, cool. Right. Like, that's really 400 cool. words of that. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Thought The right you. amount. That was thought provoking and I enjoyed it. And then we got 13 ways to destroy a painting or 13 ways of destroying a painting. And that's the one where it's like the time traveler goes back and smashes the canvas. And then they go back and the painting's still there. Yes. Each time they go back and try to destroy the painting, it's always there when they return to the future. Yeah. And sometimes the painting has changed. Sometimes there's a note about, oh, yeah, despite their house fire and everything they owned getting burned, yeah. they were still able to produce Create this. Create this beautiful painting. And at one point, like, it, the time traveler keeps giving the artist hints to go off to the Midwest and become a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you want to go become a dentist? And they never take it until... The time traveler kills the artist's muse. And then when they go back, the room is empty. There's just a mediocre painting and a note, some obscure note about a guy who died as a dentist in the Midwest. Yep. So nothing that they did personally to the artist worked. It was only when they destroyed their muse. And I thought that was interesting. But then the the point of view person... Yeah. Disappeared. Yes. The the time traveler. Yes, the time traveler. Because they fundamentally changed time enough that they disappeared. That they didn't exist anymore. Right. And then we do Lancelot in the Lost Places of the World. I really like this one. You did? Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about that one then? That wasn't like you did. I liked it too. I just mean like <laughs> I didn't have that much of a reaction to it. And so I'm glad you did. Would you like to talk about it? Because they bring Lancelot back, and then they take right. him and to, I, like, the Amazon jungle. I didn't pick up on that this was Lancelot resurrected from the grave. I thought this was, like, washed up Lancelot, like, after his adventuring days. <laughs> like, they dragged him out of the bar. <laughs> like, they dragged him out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. And, like, here's an offer you can't refuse. So you thought that they dug me up was metaphorical? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I I thought the dug, they dug me up was metaphorical, like I was just sitting in a bar somewhere. Not I was actually buried underground because I died and I was rotting. Okay. And so they're in the new world. It's kind of like El Dorado, Fountain of Youth vibes. Yeah, like the fountain. You go to North America and you wander through the jungle or you go to like South America or whatever. Yeah. um, And you're just questing through the wilderness. And... They take Lancelot with them as their guide. Yes. Guide slash defender. Yeah. Because he's good at quests for... Holy relics, yeah, or sure. something like the sure. like the Grail. He's you know. he's got a history. He's got a history with yeah. that. So they think he's going to lead them to it, and ultimately, the last line is, 
There are only seekers in the lost places they drive towards. Ooh, I didn't. I completely forgot. I highlighted a lot of lines for this book. Because <laughs> there's, there's a goal, but you, if you achieve the goal, then there are no lost places. So lost places are a contradiction in terms. And so ultimately Lancelot just crumbles back into dust because there's no purpose. Nothing can be found. What's the point? And so he just leaves. Yeah. All right, let's see, let's see what I have for highlights. Apparently I had 32 for Cemetery of Lost Faces. Wow. It was a good, yeah, she had a lot of really good, ooh, that's a good line. A lot of good prose. All right, where's the next one? Okay. Um, maybe I didn't do any for the Lancelot story, or it didn't. Because I got, and the world was crowded with things that meant love. But that's, is that the next story? Birds with teeth. Um, the next one is um, the world is crowded with the, okay. the things that meant love. And that's the one where it's two people and they love each other and they send each other gifts over their lifetime, but they're never actually together. Yeah. So they, they each die surrounded by love, but never having been with the one they loved. Which is an interesting kind of intimacy. Yeah. And they even talk about how they didn't really communicate. They just sent presents. Mm-hmm. And at one point, they got a present that did not feel meaningful enough. And so it was like they were in a fight. And so they had to create something even more meaningful as a way of making up for it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting and beautiful way of discussing the different types of intimacy. They Maybe they never wanted to be together. Maybe they never wanted to be physically right. together. They just wanted... It it felt like here's a here's a really like narrow focus on just the joy of giving yeah on the intimacy of knowing someone well enough that mm -hmm. you can give them a gift they want yes which is an overlooked amount of an overlooked aspect of intimacy the i don't even need to ask you for a list i can get you something and you will love it or I can make something for you and you will find it meaningful. Mm -hmm. And it's because I know you well enough. Right. So I thought that was interesting. And then the next one is Birds with Teeth, which this was the one that I was like, what? And it's the one where it's two fossil hunters, which may actually be based on a true story, but it's rival fossil hunters. And their rivalry ends up destroying them both. Yes. Like, Another set of bones, once mine, now his. Yeah. Yeah, that was like, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, I get it. I know there was like conflict when we first started finding fossils and it was like a race to find fossils and it was very much a gentleman's activity, a gentleman scientist's activity. And so all of it feels really authentic to what, you know, to the time period and to what it was probably like. But also maybe if I knew more about these two characters if they are actually real people, if I actually knew about them as real people, it would be more meaningful. But most of it was like, what? What are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Okay, I'll get through this and then I'll get to the next one. And the next one is, for these humans who cannot fly. And it's about the man who builds death houses. Okay, which were a real thing. Yeah, and he built the first one for his wife because his wife 
loses her grip on reality and thinks she's a bird and tries to fly. And he can't believe that this is the end. So he builds a beautiful place for her to rest, knowing in his heart that she's never going to come back, but being unwilling to part with her so quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that that was, that was an interesting, because of the way it's not really told as a story. This is another one where it's not really a story. It's like, these are the houses that I build. This is the kind of stuff that I encourage people to do with them. Like I like for them to have this, and I like for them to make sure they have good, nice furnishings and that they have good ventilation because so it doesn't smell and they don't have as too many chambers, like waiting chambers in each room. And that, that aspect was really interesting. And then the next one was take your daughter to the slaughter. And it was about the tradition of taking teen girls out to kill werewolves during werewolf season. Yes. That was one like where I was like, passage. I want that whole world. <laughs> yeah. I want right. the world where werewolves and, are like an invasive species. Yeah, and yeah, they're talking about like culling the herd basically. Yeah. But in a in a protective way. Yeah. Like to we keep can't, our werewolves. We can't healthy. get really all we can't get rid of all of them. Yeah. We don't want to. And the but teen we can't daughters, let there be too many of them. Teen daughters are the ones who go out and do it. They're they're the ones who like ritualistically they're the ones that go out during werewolf season. I was like, okay, I want more. That one I want to know more about. Like, is it a metaphor? Is it a metaphor for destroying a teenage girl's inherent wildness so that they'll be palatable? Or is it, you know what I mean by palatable, the be sweet, be kind, be silent, be helpful. Or are they, or is it literally this world is infested with werewolves and we need to go out and kill them to keep the herd healthy? I don't know. I wanted more from that one. (laughs) And then there was We Were Holy Once, and that's about the family of uh, like grifters that pretend to have seances and they're fortune tellers, but they're really murderers. Yeah, they're serial killers. And this is a true story. Oh. This one, I was like, I've heard this before. I've listened to this. <laughs> You've listened to a lot of true crime <laughs> stories. Yeah, and I like old-timey true crime. I don't like the, and then he used his AK-47 to blah, blah, blah. I like the, and then in 18, because to me, it's a mystery as to how crimes ever got solved. No wonder Sherlock Holmes and um, Agatha Christie were so popular. How did the, people, how did people fucking figure out right, who killed people? These, they, these characters were superheroes. Basically, you had to crimes. find the guy that saw the person get killed and could identify the person that killed them by name, and that was like the only way you could figure it out. Other than that, uh, you you had no DNA. You really had no fingerprints for a long time. There was really just like right, and thoughts. then you could just move to a different town and change your name, yeah. And, there was no you know, federal record of your identity that you had to verify. Yeah, which is exactly what actually happened here. Because they were called the Bloody Benders, and it was in Kansas. And they were active from 1871 to 1872. And they literally built a house on the main road, like on a main thoroughfare. Not a thoroughfare, like they weren't in a town, but like everybody traveled on this road between these two areas. And so they set up camp right on the road 
and people would stop and they had it all set up so like you could come in and you could hang out and you could have something to eat and then they had a trap door behind one of the chairs and they would literally hit the person on the head drop them down the trap door and then take all their shit and then later take them out and bury them in their orchard Mm -hmm. and we actually don't know what happened to them they just disappeared they just disappeared um it's one of those things where some newspapers reported they were caught and killed. Some newspapers reported they got away. And there's absolutely no way of knowing which one is the accurate right. account and which one is not. We don't even know if it was a mother and father and two kids or if it was a mother and father and then another married couple. So. Wow. Yeah. The next story was La Belle de Nuit. 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 Thank you. <laughs> La Belle de Nuit and La Belle... Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. And it's the one where the, the princess is cast out by the evil of the, witch. Of the night and of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the one where the that's a princess. And the it's kind of fantasy, but also kind of modern. They get cast out because a witch shows up and marries her father, and the witch curses her that no matter Every time she talks, bees come out of her mouth. Like the words turn into bees. And she ends up living alone in this cave. And then she's going to weave shirts for all of her brothers who got turned into swans. Right. She has a dream that if she weaves flax shirts for her brothers, it will break the spell on her brothers. Yeah. And yeah, So this was a whole story. This was a whole ass story. Yeah. And. It felt twisted it, fairy tale-ish. Yes, very much so. Yeah, she ends up getting caught by a king or like a rival landowner, whatever, and a powerful man. And since she can't tell him no without people finding out that she that her words turn into bees, she has to go with him and be with him even when she doesn't want to, which is kind of sad. And then she ultimately ends up finishing weaving all the shirts right as she's going to be burned at the stake. And she throws them in the air and they land on her brothers, except the one that wasn't quite finished. And right. So he doesn't get to turn all the way back into a <laughs> He person. has a left wing. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's gracious about it, is what mm-hmm. she says. So, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. It was a cool story. And then, how did you feel about that story? Since that was one of the few complete story stories. I liked it. And that's one that I could see... Like a longer version, yeah, being written, but yeah. it was complete. Yeah, we don't find out what happened to her. I don't know. It was, yeah. I I want to know more. I want to know what happened to her stepmother, because her stepmother has everybody enslaved to right. her court, like her wild court orgies. <laughs> <laughs> the next story is the men and women like him. And it's the one where people use time travel to go and undo wrongs. And there's a whole group. There's like a whole group of people whose job it is to go back. And oh, turn. But you have to keep doing these like pivotal moments. Yeah. Because people will go back and redo them. Yeah. People will go back and kill Hitler. So there's people that has to, somebody went and killed Hitler again. So you have to go back and you have to keep people from killing Hitler. And so you'll be on like Hitler duty for the day where you just... 
keep a watch on Hitler and make sure nobody uses time travel to go back and try to kill Hitler or whatever. Like you, there's all these tragedies throughout history that people are continuously going back and trying to prevent. And so your job is to keep them from preventing the tragic thing, which means you must witness this tragedy over and over and over again. Yeah. And, and the psychological toll of that. Of constantly knowing if you just let this person succeed, they could stop this horrific thing from happening. But this is a horrific thing which must happen. That was hard. And did you catch at the end the guy is getting ready to go back? And he, he had been talking, like reminiscing about how it was really hard having to go back and um, like watch all these kids get killed. And then the, like the last line in the story is something like, well, this time he was going to save some of them. Yeah. And he knew that somebody else Would was going to come back him. and get rid of him. But at least it'd be fixed for a little yes. while. Yeah. yeah. He'd have one time where he got to like, the hundreds of times that he's gone back and had to watch these kids die, he was going to his last time. He was going to. He was going to save some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was good. The next one was things you should know about Cassandra D, and that's the self fulfilling prophecy: the girl who can see the future, and she's really ugly, or she thinks she's really ugly. Mm -hmm. And she sees herself dying, but she's really pretty when she dies, and she's like, oh. I get to be pretty at some point in my life. Yeah. And so she sends out, like, they try to find a plastic surgeon who will make her pretty, and they ultimately do. But also that plastic surgeon is not a doctor, and he kills her in the end. Yeah. I, I, highlight, I had one highlight from there. She was the Caton County Corn Festival queen once, and she's still the prettiest cashier at the Safeway. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was somebody else. This was not the main It was character. like her mother or something. Yeah. yeah. Everybody in her family was pretty, but her supposedly. Yeah. That one was interesting. It was very straightforward, self-fulfilling prophecy. Had she simply accepted who she was, she could have lived a, like a fine life. Mm -hmm. But the thing that stuck out to her in her prophecy was just, I get to be pretty. And so she just stuck with that. The next one was The Fires of Western Heaven. And this was the one that was just about the loss of people through death or tragedy and what could it possibly all be for. And there's no conclusion. There's no story. It's just tiny little snippets of like mm -hmm. average people put into situations where they either die or are irrevocably changed by a traumatic thing that happens to them. And what's the point? Yeah. That uh, one was really depressing. I had, I had one highlight. I, I really liked how the author conveyed a lot of depth in very indirect phrasing. Rory's face, blown off in Sardinia. The doctors gave him a new one. It was called a great miracle. Either it broke all the mirrors or he did. Yeah. That one was... That was a heavy one. Yeah. Yeah. It was really poignant, though. Right, because just those couple lines, okay, now there's this guy who's technically 
rec- like healed. Yeah. He has a new face. It looks great. Oh, but does it? But he's so tortured by like his new face. Yeah. That he can't stand it. Yeah. It like torments him. Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's kind of like generative in your head. Yeah. It produces a lot of imagery and It does. Depth. And it makes you, in the way that all good stories do, it makes you think. Yeah. Because we get used to seeing stories from the point of view of like, for example, Man of Steel. And we see that this bothered me from the first time I watched Man of Steel is we have that huge showdown that he has with the bad guy in the town and like the section of the town that they're in by the time they're finished is literally just sand. Like it has been. And we get tiny, like a tiny little bit of, Oh, look, um, the guy who's the head of the daily planet is stuck or this lady from the daily planet is stuck and she gets rescued. Isn't that nice? But like thousands and thousands of people lost their life. Mm-hmm. in that battle including like when he's dragging him across the buildings and they're just tearing up sides of buildings and buildings are falling down and I mean even the showdown that he has in Smallville it's like we see these stories from the point of view of these big fancy flashy heroes and every once in a while like the boys really kind of touches on this the the collateral in, damage. The inhumanity of the collateral damage and the fact that we ignore the collateral damage. And yet this was a whole story about people who would otherwise be considered collateral damage. And I thought it was an interesting thing to highlight. And then we go for immediately from there to the process of human decay, which is a short exposition on the process of decay. I mean, it literally is what it says it is. It's just about the human body decaying. And yeah. then the next one I really liked was the fever oh, wait, librarian. The oh. last, <laughs> I think one of the last lines. You've helped, finally, to enrich something around you by feeding the soil with your skin and fat and muscle. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the fever librarian. I really liked the fever librarian about how all human passion has been removed and filed mm. away. And then they put somebody in charge of it. And then it is so much that it's thawing even. I, that's another one that I wanted the whole story of because I wanted to see the world where they had taken all of these things. And it's not like the giver where we medicated right. it where away we, or Where whatever. we had to... We had to do this to fix it because it was so bad. And we literally put them in a library. Right. Because we didn't want to destroy that knowledge. We just wanted them put away. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. The sec- the one after that was the one that took up the largest chunk, and it's the unfinished world. Yeah, and so this follows. all of them, this was not the one that I wanted to take up 25% right? of the book. <laughs> it was okay, but I, I, in the end, I was like, but wait, what? What? Like, did Set die? If Set died, how did they bring him back? Is it just in his head that they brought him back? We never... There's something about a bear. Yeah, this was an inherently unsatisfying story, I think is maybe the best way to describe this. Because I wanted to know more about it, but not in the way that I was like, ooh, I'm intrigued, but just like all that and you couldn't give me even one answer? (laughs) Like... Mm -hmm. Maybe just one answer, and I get maybe that was the point, but also it just made it like I actually got invested in the story because it was so long, 
And ultimately, I got nothing. You're given nothing. You don't know what they did to bring him back, if they brought anybody. And then, like, at one point, there he mentions that his whole family seems really ageless. But I don't know if it's meant to be, like, ageless as in none of them change or ageless as in... There's something supernatural? Yeah, there's something supernatural about them. And I was just like, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. And we got nothing. And then the last story is one of the shortest. And it's sleepers. And it's just sleepers dream about this the world. Like the world is created by these sleepers. Mm-hmm. And we can't wake them or the world would fall apart. And I think it's like a don't meet your heroes. Like we need to have these these heroes that sleep. We need to have these paragons, these archetypes, and we can't ever examine them too closely or the world itself kind of falls apart. And that was The Unfinished World. And how did you feel about a short story compilation by the time you got done with it? I was all right with it. Yeah, I just, the only one that I was like, oh, what was the really long one? Because I liked a lot of the descriptions of the the people that they interact with. Yeah. Because there were yeah. there were so many instances of here's three lines about a character and you get a a good sense. Yeah, Stephen King's really good about that too. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of really broad strokes and it fills them in completely. And I felt like that was set because we talk about both set and we talk about Inga. Inga. And I really liked the Inga character. The idea of this woman who travels around and takes pictures for for magazines mm-hmm. and the fact that she came from this really hard background and all of that was really cool. But I don't know. <laughs> it was just like set was too spoiled to know how to love people. And yet I think it was I couldn't tell if I was supposed to get that that was maybe supernatural or maybe he was just. He grew up in a world so devoid of love and devoid of change that he didn't know how to love or change. Right. He had never been taught. Yeah. Because his family was so distant or so, uh, like, self-absorbed, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was good for us to do. I thought it was definitely something outside of our comfort zone. I mean, I'll read the occasional short story or I like a good collection of short stories. I don't know that I've ever sat and read a book of short stories all by the same author. It's definitely a first for me. Yeah. It was interesting. Uh, I It left you with the feeling, I like, uh, I think it's in the Vamping Out with Meg episode where she says, of Come in 81 Kilo, where she says, you kind of feel like Mario, where you finish the world, but you're positive, or you're kind of sure there must have been some secret rooms you didn't get to. Like, <laughs> like I finished the book yeah. and it was good, but I'm also like, was I supposed to get more from that? Was I supposed to think deeper about some of these stories? Was there more metaphor? Like, it was the metaphor too much for me? Am I too fixed in my, um, I'm here just for like the character and the plot that is provided to me to be able to delve into what may or may not be these super metaphorical short stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think a lot of the the way she writes, you could totally just re- you know consume the words and like whatever, um, but not. If you don't think about it enough, you 
you don't get much out of it. Yeah. And I did feel like with – so for most of the stories, I I read a lot of lines where I was like, oh, like that's – there's a lot there. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's a really dense paragraph if you just sit and like chew on it for a few minutes. Right. And then The Unfinished World, there was all these hooks where it's like, okay, like all ghosts, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, let, me, let me go through my highlights and see if there's anything – uh, representative. It felt like Only Lovers Left Alive, where I got to the end of Only Lovers Left Alive and I was like, did I miss something? Was was I not smart enough to get what you were trying to say or was your story not smart enough to talk to me in a language I understood? Like, where was the gap? Or was there a gap? Was there supposed to be more and I didn't get it or was there not more? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I felt. From the unfinished world is, yeah. do but there, I not, there was a lot of signals yeah. that thing like deep things were happening, but they didn't quite get connected. But I wasn't so deeply invested in the story that I wanted to go back and read it and try to read more into it. I was just like, okay, I think I'm comfortable not finding all of the secret items. I think I can bat eighty nine percent completion on that uh, that platformer, and I'll be just fine. I won't find all the coins. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, the truth about set is the truth about all ghosts. Uh, and then some, like, multiple lines. Yeah. Um, and then set found that alone among the beautiful people, his hollow place itched, emptier than ever. Yeah. He keeps having these very, like, existential observations about himself. Yeah. That imply something almost supernatural. But you're not sure if it's super, – I think you're not supposed to be sure if right. it's supernatural or if it's just he never learned to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't even think he calls his mom mom. No, Prue. Prue. Yeah. And his dad oh, but intentionally his... had children with a bunch of other women. Right, so Prue is the woman that raised him, but – his dad takes him to meet this uh, dancer. Yeah. And he's like, I'm pretty sure that's my mom. Yeah. Well, he knows oh, that's... it's his mom. Right. He tells him it is because Prue likes children, but she didn't want to have children. Right. So she lets him go out and like collect jeans the way they collect <laughs> other things where they're like, I would like a dancer. Go have a child with a dancer and then bring it back. Right. Yeah. So it's these these two people that are – maybe it's because he never saw his parents in love. Yeah. So he never learned it. Maybe. I mean, that's that's the question. Yeah. Is it supernatural or is it just whatever? But ultimately, I didn't care enough about the story to go back right, and re-examine sort of my preconceptions at the beginning of the story and then reread it. Right. You, you need some more plot to keep you engaged. I needed a reason to go you... back. I needed enough breadcrumbs Bef that I wanted to go back and try to put the loaf back together. Yeah. I, I had a couple of breadcrumbs, but I was like, I'm cool not knowing where these breadcrumbs go yeah. and just let it go. I mean, I it it kind of sucked that the one the longest story was to me not the one that I was most interested in. But the benefit, I suppose, of having this sort of format is you can have some that you really love and they can pull you through this, the whole of the story collection. 
and right. she and does so you this get a lot. Exposure to to more quantity of stories. Yeah, she does this a lot. I'd love to know if all the others are similar. Does she also have similar format, or does she, do they have some kind of overlying theme? Because this was the unfinished world, and a lot of them felt like unfinished worlds. But also, the longest story was called the unfinished world. Does she always name it after the longest story in the book? I don't know. We'd have to read more. So in summary, I didn't like fall in love with this book, but I would say going forward, I'm probably more willing to read a, a group of short stories than I was uh, before I read this. Right. Yeah. That's good. I think that's as good a, a recommendation for this book as anything is like, okay, it made me not hate the idea of a collection of short yes. stories. Yeah. yeah. And I think we can kind of leave it at that. Um, we're going to be talking about sci-fi for the next six months. So I'm really excited at about least. that. At least. Which means we're going to have to do fantasy and horror movies, I guess. All right. I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to leave it here. Unless you have something else you want to say. Remember, Sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.